essentially, it, the message is a contrast between Simon and other believers. And what we're looking for is genuine compared to counterfeit Christianity. It's not enough just to have the surface type of faith. But God wants us to have a faith that um, is all of us. That we're all in. And So anyway, in Acts chapter 8, I'm going to read verses 9 through 25. So um, I ask you to stand in God's honor as I read. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. He followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them because they might receive the Holy prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you've said may happen to me. When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, how you were at work then, and you are still at work today. Lord, thank you take us who are not where we should be but by the grace of God we're further than we were and by your grace we are able to be your receptacle receptacle of grace father others might see you through us Uh, pray tonight as we look at father this contrast here father of Simon and other believers father may we be reminded of genuine Christianity versus that which is a counterfeit not real. So speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, To one degree, we all struggle with hypocrisy. It's just a matter of layers, I guess. A friend of mine used to always pray, Lord, help me be the man others think that I am. I'll never forget one church that we were in. Uh, There was a dear lady, and she was a little bit feisty. And sometimes we'd just tell you what was on her mind. And it was just her makeup, we all loved her. She was kind of a matriarch of the church. 
And there was this guy, he hadn't been to church in a long time, and I guess he was down on some of the things that had happened at church. And so one day uh, she got on a bus uh, with him uh, that was going around the town, and uh, she said, we have really missed you at church. Where have you been? And oh my, he started up. He said, I am not going in there. She said, all those hypocrites in that church, I'm not going to sit foot back in there with all those hypocrites. She leaned over and she said, I'm going to tell you what I heard an evangelist say the other day on TV. She said, I'd rather rub shoulders with them here than noses with them in hell. And she said, he about pushed me off that bus. <laughs> so but the real issue is, we're not there yet, are we? I love the story of uh, these two brothers that were real hoodlums. And uh, the church got in a, a new pastor and God began to move and and uh, they needed more room. And so they started a building fund to build this building. And these brothers, although they were real characters and real dishonest, they were also very wealthy. One of the brothers, uh, there was a tragedy and he, he just dropped dead of a heart attack. And so the other brother, you know, he, he told the preacher, he said, look, he said, I will, I will give you a million dollars for the building fund to build that new building. He says, all you have to do is when you are giving the eulogy at the funeral, just tell everybody that my brother is a saint. This preacher said, well, let me pray about it. He struggled. He worried about it. Finally, he went back to the brother and he said, you have a deal. And so it came time for the sermon and the preacher got up to preach and he said, you know, these these two men and, and, and of course, you know, we're here to pay tribute to the memory of this man and his brother who's still with us in our church. And he said, well, what can I say about him? He, he cheated on his wife. He cussed like a sailor. He was dishonest in his business dealings. Nobody really liked him. But compared to his brother, he's a saint. <laughs> Hypocrisy. As we look at this section of Scripture, I want to look at three areas of comparison. And the first one is that when Jesus is guiding our lives, there's courage. When God is not in control of our lives, we're guided by an insecurity and a fear. And, and uh, it's interesting, as you look at this section of Scripture, chapter 7 ends with the stoning of a dear Christian named Stephen. A holy man of God who told the truth in front of a bunch of Jews, and the result of that was they stoned him to death. Matter of fact, we read the end of that in verse 59. It says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Man, what a follower. He thought of his own Lord as he said those words. Because remember, that's, that's how Jesus spoke as he hung up on the cross. <laughs> And it says, and Saul was there giving his approval to his death. Now you notice as it goes on the next part of Scripture, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, I bet. Now they've gotten embrazened and they come after the church. They come after God's people. And so they scatter. 
And the scripture says uh, that once the godly men buried Stephen and deeply mourned for him, and Saul went on a rampage, going from house to house, dragging off men and women, putting them in prison. Verse 4 tells us that, that God's people scattered, and Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he preached Christ there. Crowds heard Philip as he preached. They saw miraculous signs. They paid close attention. Evil spirits came out of many. Paralytics, cripples were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Man, God was moving. God was at work in the midst of persecution that was around them. And there was a great courage. I mean, what would have been the natural response? They're coming. They're dragging out. You know, your church family going to houses, dragging them out one by one. And, and, you know, it's like, maybe I need to just kind of take a vacation or, or, or maybe take a break. Let's just let's, let's let things kind of quiet down but before I really share my faith or, or before I live a life that's bold. Boy, that wasn't Philip. There was a courage God-given that was more than he simply could demonstrate. It came from God. You know, it tells us in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, or I think the NIV it says timidity, but He gives us a spirit of power, of love, and self-control, or self-discipline. And, and Philip received that spirit as he spoke. It, uh, we listened to a Focus on the Family podcast last week. I've told several of you this about this, because it really um, was amazing to me, but... It was a lady who is from Iran, and uh, anyway, through this story, she, uh, she grew up here in the States, even though her family was from Iran. She ended up going back to Iran, met her husband, uh, married him. They both came to Christ, began to grow in their faith, and then persecution continued to increase uh, to the point of where people are losing their lives, people are ending up in jail. And they continued to stay faithful. They ended up, after they saw the church grow, coming back to the United States for a while. Then they asked, then Iran asked them to come back and to work and start an orphanage. Well, they came back. They started this orphanage. But the one thing that they didn't like was all these children started becoming Christians. And so they ended up throwing her husband in jail. And he's been in jail for three years. And it was just so amazing to listen to her because she, she was talking about the experience of it. He's over there and he's so bold. He's sharing his faith. He's, he's telling kids so they take him and they throw him in this prison. Well, then they get mad because people start getting saved in the prison. So then they move him to another prison that was full of murderers. That was a very dangerous place to be. And it was obvious that their idea was we put him in there, you know, they'll just take care of our problem. But that's not what happened. While he was in there, there was a group of men, very dangerous looking men, that approached him. And I mean, you know, it looked like was coming. But what happened was they came up to him and said, we all had a dream. A group of men had the same dream. Jesus appeared to them and said, protect this man. And so, and you know, Jim Daly, who's the host, it was so funny. He kept saying, this sounds like the book of Acts. This sounds like the book of Acts. And, and, and she kept telling, you know, stories of God's protection and how God was at work. But then she also came back and said, you know, he's been in there for three years. 
and I'm raising the children by myself. So this is not easy. This is very difficult. So not only did he have a courage, God had given her a courage to continue to carry out that task and to say, you know, God's still taking care of me even in the midst of this extremely difficult trial. Uh, this happened in the book of Acts, and, and it still happens today as God is at work. Uh, the opposite of that is an insecurity, and we see that in Simon. As you look at this guy, Simon, he became well-known for his sorcery. Uh, he, he was well-known for his magic. People called him the great power, and they followed him because of his abilities in magic. But then when Philip came and he preached Christ, it was more than magic. It was changed hearts. And it appears to me as we look in here, there was a jealousy from Simon. I mean, he was used to being the top dog. He was used to getting the attention. He was used to being the main show. And suddenly the crowds weren't flocking to him. Suddenly people were finding meaning in their hearts they found forgiveness they, they found the one true god and not just magic but someone to walk with them and, and to talk with them and to care with them day after day uh, he he struggled he followed philip everywhere it says in verse 13 <laughs> astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw it, it, but it wasn't just worship as we see further down, man, he wanted to have that power for himself. Verse 18, when Simon saw the Spirit was given at the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Give me also this ability so that everyone in whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, man, I want, I want that attention back. I, I want that back. There was a, a not a sense of confidence, not his peace. John fourteen twenty seven, Jesus' words, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and afraid. It's a peace that Simon didn't have. Peace that he didn't show. Secondly, um, the genuine... Christian and the counterfeit Christian have different objects of faith. Of course, the one who has a genuine faith, his focus is on Christ. Our focus is not to be exalted, but to exalt him. You know, I've, as I've thought through the scriptures, it's interesting when you look at the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit never wants to be the center of attention. But the role and job of the Holy Spirit is to elevate Christ. And Christ elevates the Father. And there is an elevation of working together for a goal of, of drawing attention to the Heavenly Father. That work of the Spirit away from just attention. When you hear people say, you know, I want the Holy Spirit to get praise. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is God, but he draws people to Jesus, to the name of Jesus, to the person of Jesus, to the work of Christ. And when God is working, it's not to elevate us, it's to elevate him. We're not to be the center of the attention, but we're to reflect 
his glory. Not to be glory hogs. To get that glory for ourselves. That's not the goal. It says in uh, verse 9 of Acts 8. He says, For some time there was this man, Simon, who practiced sorcery in the city, amazed all the people. He boasted that he was someone great. He was talking about himself. It says in Proverbs 27, verse 2, Let another praise you and not someone else. Let another praise you and not your own lips, someone else and not your own mouth. Uh, Philip was preaching Christ. Simon was exalting himself as he looked for this gift. Matter of fact, as you look through the book of Acts and you see as God works through the mission in the early church, God's people were always giving glory to Christ. And there were all these miracles and all these acts, not because the servants were seeking glory, but because they were directing attention to Christ. And Christ was moving throughout the church. He was moving through people's hearts. Uh, And then this third one here, genuine Christianity results in joy. As we look in Simon's life, though, it resulted in bitterness. Uh, As we look at that first part um, in verses 4 through 8 of Acts 8, Peter, as he headed down to Samaria, he proclaimed Christ. Crowds came, they saw miracles, God began to work, and the result of that, verse 8 was, so there was great joy in that city. Why was there great joy? Because people were set free. People are so burdened and broken. And Jesus has come to set free. And that's where there was joy. Because people finally were able to say, God loves me. People were finally able to understand that he loved me enough that he came to take care of my issue. And that's the story of the cross. That's the work that he had. But in contrast to that, verse 23 of Acts 8. Notice Peter's words. He answered, uh, well, in verse 20, he said, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy this gift. He says, You have no part of this ministry. Verse 23 says, For I see that you're full of bitterness and you're captive to sin. He, He was just speaking the truth about, This is what you say. This is what I see. This is what I see in you. As Peter's honest with him, as he tells the truth to him, and what he sees, this jealousy, this bitterness, because he had longed for so long to be the one getting the attention, and he wasn't getting the attention. There's time for self-examination. Uh, as I look in Matthew 7, as it talks about false teachers and false prophets, there's this admonition given. Uh, this is uh, Matthew 7, starting at verse 17. He says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. and A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus, by your fruit, you'll recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He says, many will... Say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You know, as we read here in Acts chapter 8, Simon was baptized. 
Simon believed. Simon made an initial identification with Christ. But it appears he never really repented. He, he never really was after forgiveness. He was after power. And notice as he comes to the end here, I think he finally got it, hopefully, in verse 24. <laughs> Simon said, pray to the Lord for me that nothing you said may happen to me. He had been bitter and he had been broken and Peter just, or not Peter, Philip. Philip just nailed him. And as a result, or Peter, yeah, Peter nailed him. Just nailed him and as a result of that, he said, pray for me. He opened his heart. He repented because there's got to be repentance. Man, when there's bitterness, you know, there's the the piece of sand in, uh, in the oyster and, and a pearl is born out of the irritation of of you know, that sand at work, that grain at work. And it's just the opposite in bitterness. It takes something precious and turns it into dust or nothing. And so our hearts need to be examined to make sure that we're willing to repent, not just seeking the attention for ourselves. Because it's never about me, me, me. It's always about thee, thee, thee and, um, in genuine Christianity. Matter of fact, in Matthew ten thirty nine, it tells us, He who loses his life for my sake will find it. We're given this command in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. It's healthy sometimes just to get on our face before God. Say, okay, God, where am I with you? I always think of David in Psalm 139. You know, it closes and he says, search me, O God. Try me, know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I've always had a picture of that's God's Holy Spirit like a big searchlight. And that searchlight just shines the truth on my heart. And when I see that, I have a choice. Lord, am I going to agree with you or am I going to get bitter and fight you? If I agree with you, Lord, then you're able to remove that and work through me. If not, like Simon, I just kind of become bitter and follow around and plot and scheme against God. But that never works. At some point, we will bow before God. At some point, He has to get a hold of us so that we become real and, and genuine and not just play in church. Because we don't just play church, we are the church. There's a difference there. It's not, a, it's not just a somewhere we go. It's who we are that makes the difference. So genuine Christianity, there's courage instead of insecurity. The object is Christ. It's not me. And when Christ is at work, regardless of what is faced, the result of that, he gives us a joy. Not necessarily a happiness, but that deep understanding that he's at work instead of a bitterness that leaves him out. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. As we've looked at a contrast, Father, Christianity that glorifies you and a religion that glorifies self, it's a big difference, Lord. One saves and one condemns. Because, Father, we need a Savior. And uh, 
I thank you, Father. It appears to me that Simon finally understood that it's time to quit. Time to quit trying to outmaneuver you and submit to you. Father, as, as we meet tonight, Lord, examine our hearts. May we be honest before you, Lord, and not just try to get by, not just have enough to survive, but, Father, to have a fire within us that's rekindled and to be awakened, Father, because sometimes we just drift away or we drift off, and we need to be awakened. And, uh, Father, I don't know if Simon never got it or if he just, Father, it missed fully trusting you. I don't know, but Father, um, help us where we are to turn your direction, Lord. And give us a heart to love people that are around us that they might turn your direction. Because the joy comes when people see you. And when we see other people see you, there's joy as well as when we see you. And I pray that for us as a church that we may see you, Lord, and that others may come into our midst and see you. And that together, Father, as we see you, we may, Father, just be stirred to love you. Uh, Lord, as we come to this time, what do you want to do with us, Lord? You know us. You know where we are. May we stand. May we sing. May we come. May we pray. May we just do what you want us to do. Because, Father, that's the that's what we need. In Christ's name we pray.